Uh, and and it was never uh, a, a Russian company. We we, we we happen to be born there, though we have different citizenships as well. Uh, you was born in Russia, and you started work at a what I would say ridiculously young age by UK standards. It's it's still illegal to do like it is done in the UK or in some European countries where you can just. Uh, do a selfie with your phone and uh, the bank would recognize it. I, I honestly believe every time somebody had chosen to contact us, we have failed. The infrastructure connecting to the bank and the organization that's holding ring-fenced your client's money just yeah. was shut down by the regulator. Yeah. Um, expand on that for a moment because I don't think anybody watching this will grasp what you mean by meow, uh, as in what happens. What is this? Hi, my name is Jacob Collins Brown, and this is UKBF Stories, where we are telling the story of small businesses across the UK and shining a spotlight on their journey. Hello, I'm Richard from UK Business Forums, and today I'm here with Boris Yakunov, co-founder of Anna Money. Hello, Boris. Hi, hi, Richard. Hi, great. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Um, please. Kick us off and tell us a, a bit about what is Anna Money. Oh, it's the full name is absolutely no nonsense admin. Yeah. That's Anna, uh, short, and uh, it's both uh, a banking application for s small businesses, for sole traders, for entrepreneurs, for people that are actually constantly on the move and do stuff. But it also does uh, does your admin. It, it does taxes for you, invoices, invoice generating, uh, invoice chase, and all of that stuff. So it pretty much frees up an entrepreneur to do business, to earn money, to serve clients uh, without just being bored with the bank and the admin stuff. I love that you say sort of bored with the bank aspect. It's something which you'd sit there and think, I just need an account, just need my money coming in. But you mentioned no-nonsense admin and sort of freeing up the entrepreneur, the, the, the small business owner to get on with running their business. So how comprehensive, how automated are the tools that Anna Money has for doing that? Uh, well, today it's more automated than it was yesterday. Uh, it's, it, it's a very, very rapidly developing product, but um, it, it, it has pretty much all the basics covered already. Uh, when when you buy buy a sandwich on a business trip, you take a picture of the receipt, we store the receipts, we marry the receipts with the transactions, we reconcile your balance, we integrate with different accountancy solutions if you use some, but if not, uh, it's it's a pretty much straightforward way to just file in your taxes, and we do that as well. And you mentioned um, chasing invoices as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If 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 as a business you're invoicing somebody, you generate uh, and has a brilliant invoice generator. But then it also uh, monitors that invoice is actually paid, and it's all included in the basic subscription. And what I'd like to chat about today is Anna comes from uh, what I would say is a good pedigree. If I sort of speak about yourself like that, in its development, so. Sort of going right back to your early years, uh, you was born in Russia, and you started work at a 
what I would say ridiculously young age by UK standards. Uh, what was that? I had a dream to become a doctor. Uh, I, I was quite a sickly child taken off into the hospitals and f fell in love with this uh, hospital atmosphere and stuff like that, which does sound weird, but uh, but I wanted to be somebody who is able to help people. And uh, I read a bunch of books about all the brilliant doctors, inventors of the vaccines, stuff like that, great surgeons. And and, um, and then um, my, my classmate's dad uh, was a doctor. So I said whether I can come to the hospital and be of some help. And they said, well, sure. And they showed me around and I loved uh, it and they liked me. Uh, so I stayed. I was 12 uh, at the time. I was given all kinds of small hospital chores from from washing and cleaning to actually like doing some injections and stuff like that, which is crazy. It shouldn't be done, but but uh, these were wild times then. So. And, and then there was a great shortage of stuff. Uh, hospitals were very underserved and they were really happy f with any helping hand out there. And so, and you did that for a number of years, about four years? Yes, 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 something, something around like that. And then my graduation time from, from school came and yeah, yeah. And, and, and then I wanted to be a pastor after that. So I was still a teenager with, uh, moving, moving goals and changing agendas. See that, um, when looking through your career history, it's, it is so diverse because the, you originally studied philosophy. Yes, yes, um, yes. And then whilst studying philosophy, you got involved in sysadmin, so you sort of uh, within the college. Is that right? And sort of um, looking after the sort of the network. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I started. Uh, I, I started uh, back in Russia studying philosophy, but then uh, got accepted into the American college uh, in Louisiana, as they say, and um, and went there and studied uh, studied religion and business and accounting, by the way, and uh, it ended up with me getting a liberal arts diploma, which is a mix of everything. But uh, but in the midst of it. I discovered this love and passion for computers and it was at the time when there were no courses, um, just few articles on the internet, very few books. And so I just, yeah, I just, just pretty much became, on my second year in college, became a self-taught uh, admin and uh, website creator and uh, and had several jobs, including one in the college and ended up running yeah, the college's network. So what, what year was this? Just to paint uh, the picture. 97, 98. So we're talking right at the very cusp of the internet yes. where you know, some of the newspapers were still saying the internet's a fad that would not catch on. Yes, yes, yes. It was uh, 96 when I started and uh, yeah, 97 I got pretty good at it. 98 I graduated. And uh, yeah, and it was funny because... Um, it, it it was also small and wild. Uh, I uh, there was uh, ISPs how how they called them then, and I was a sysadmin for one of them, and they pretended to be a large company, and it was just uh, myself and uh, a co-founder, and uh, the whole thing was working from his home computer. 
So it was just, just incredibly wild. So lit in the 90s, because I, I missed that part from you, was uh, what I remember from, because that's when I started working in the internet, was literally in the late 90s. There was the term bedroom ISP. Yes. So, so yes. you was a bedroom ISP. I, I, I actually ran one as, yeah. as a side job, yeah. Yeah. And this was whilst you was at college? Yes. <laughs> what happened after college then? So you, you got to the end, you got your diploma. And then uh, what was your next steps after that? I, I had an option of uh, staying in the US, but um, and I actually wanted to go to seminary and to continue on the theological path. Uh, but then I was, well, rightfully told that uh, I would totally lose touch with uh, reality um, of, of my country. So, so I decided to go back. Uh, but, um, and I wanted to be of service uh, in the ministry and uh, the church. But, uh, but I, uh, I didn't want to leave from the offerings at the time. And uh, especially from the ones that are sent from abroad. I just, I just felt it wouldn't go well. And uh, so, so I went about looking for a job. And, um, and I would be happy pretty much with any job that would pay for, for my expenses and that I would be just financially independent. And, um, and they ended up agreeing to, to do a website uh, for this bank. And uh, so they hired me as a part-time worker and uh, did a website for them, but got, uh, got very bored. Because who cares about a banking website, right? Uh, just has some outdated news and currency exchange rates, nothing, nothing spectacular. So I came to my bosses there and said, well, why won't we do an internet banking? And, and uh, they were afraid at first because, well, what if all of our money will get stolen through the internet? That was the level of perception back then. Uh, but then we somehow said, okay, we will limit the risk. We will do this and we will do that. It was one of uh, Russia's first and actually world's first internet banking uh, solutions because we started to create uh, our own in 98, 99. And the earliest one appeared in, in the America in a very limited uh, uh, functionality in 97, 98, I think. So it was, it was all very, very early, early stages, actually pioneer in the field. Okay. And that led to you co-founding what became, am I right here, the largest, world's largest 24-7 uh, 365 days a year bank yeah well uh, there was one uh, one step before that uh, my, my boss at that bank uh, decided to buy his own and he called me to join the team and that's how bank 24 appeared but it, it wasn't yet a totally digital era it was 2002 or something like that and um, and it was about uh, it was a strong internet presence but we could not envision then that a bank could function without a branch. And it wasn't legally possible either at the time. So we had 24-hour uh, offices and branches with live people sitting there, um, with cashiers, clerks, doing basic operations 24-7 on Christmas, uh, New Year's, all the holidays, 
just straight through the and it was a great technical challenge nobody have done it before that because banks always had this uh, banking holidays days when they reconciled their balances and whatever and we had this challenge of actually making sure that we can run 24 7 uh, and it was a great technical foundation to build on and uh, that's uh, where we met with Edward Pantelev, with whom we've been doing uh, business ever since 2008. And, um, and then, yeah, uh, later we co-founded uh, Tochka, and pretty much uh, most of the team from Bank24 uh, joined it as well. And uh, yeah, Tochka with years became the world's largest digital SME banking solution, serving uh, around uh, half a million uh, business clients. So if we uh, roll back to Bank24 for a moment, with the, just so I understand that correctly then, so it wasn't legally possible to operate as a bank um, entirely online, you had to, uh, that to have a physical branch yeah. presence. Yeah. And you wanted to offer a 24-hour service through digital banking. Is that the reason why you had to have the 24-hour open branches? Partially, yes. And partially, some people uh, still still wanted uh, wanted to have a branch. That was, that was the feeling then. Uh, and... Uh, especially for currency exchange, for deposits, uh, things like that. People, people wanted to come to the branch. So, so we, with time, we limited the services to things that could only be done off, uh, offline. Yeah. But, uh, and the account management was, was done online. But it was the bank for uh, both for businesses, but uh, it was just your regular B2C bank at the time. And you just mentioned there you met Edward, who's your current business partner. Yes, yes. Um, at Bank Twenty Four. Uh, yes, yes. He actually bought it out uh, yeah. in two thousand eight, and that's how we met, and that's how our business relationship and personal relationship grew as well. So he bought, he purchased Bank Twenty Four. Yes. And then you both co-founded Toshka, which is you just mentioned is a SME. So small business only bank. Yes, yes. That's when we decided to focus. We, we realized that we can do a really brilliant uh, product if, if you do it just for everybody. We, we need to focus on somebody. And we decided to focus on businesses and entrepreneurs because they're just great people. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll vouch for that. And the, did you need to have, at, by this time then, so this was about 2008, was this, or around about that time, or, uh, yeah, about 2008? Yeah, 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 no, by Bank 24, uh, it was uh, till 2014, I think, and, and that's, uh, yeah, and that's when Torchka started. Okay, and did you need to have the physical bank presence at that point or was it are we talking literally purely digital yeah yeah it became purely digital okay so there'd yeah. been a change in the laws at that time yes, so you could yes, do it yes and yeah and the situation changed and we were able to restart uh, the whole the whole operational model without uh, without branches we were the first ones at the time of the market to actually offer business banking without a branch focusing just on Tochka, so what was the what was that journey like? What uh, being the first to market to be solely digital, 
it obviously grew to be massive. Um, did it? Was it just an easy ride? Did it just like everybody just took straight to it, or what? Was there sort of bumps in the road? Oh, there were, but it's usually a bunch of bumps uh, on the road. Uh, uh, well, f- first, uh, firstly, we had uh, like some technological difficulties on how to manage the whole thing. Uh, then, then our account opening process was incredibly ugly in the beginning. Uh, we couldn't we couldn't figure it out. We still we still uh, under the laws. Then uh, we needed a physical meeting. Uh, so so uh, we had then fifty, then hundred, then literally a thousand people all across a huge country uh, that that would go meet clients, take pictures. It's it's still illegal to do like it is done in the UK or in some European countries where you can just uh, do a selfie with your phone and uh, the bank would recognize it. Uh, a physical meeting is still needed. And and so, so, so it was uh, not only a digital exercise, it became, uh, it became a brand building exercise because the people that actually come and, and take a picture, they can be, they can be busy, they can be rude, or they can be true brand ambassadors. Uh, they uh, initially they uh, they were all in bow ties. They would all come to meetings at bow ties, and all the clients would be gifted with a small bottle of wine yeah. in a in a special like container and funny instructions how to how to use it. So so we redesigned. Uh, well. Well, we're not even redesigned. We pretty much designed the process from scratch to be both effective and impactful. And in all honesty, it took a couple of years to get it right and to to scale and to get to the numbers. I would um, liken that to you create, um, putting words in your mouth here, but it sounds like you created an experience of being boarded to Toshka as the you want to... Legislation meant you had to. It sounds crazy. I'm literally still coming to terms with the fact that you needed a thousand people across all of Russia to go and physically meet people, and we're in 2022 now, and that's still the requirement there. Yes, um, to physically go and meet people when you're a digital bank to get the to check, you know, get the ID set up and get people to get the account opening. But you made it different. You you turned it from being a photograph. Here's a form. Sign this process into an experience yes yes and uh, uh and and the the selection process of this of these people who actually go and meet because uh their their primary goal was not to identify and not to cut down on fraud but to to impress yeah to create an experience to to be memorable and to show people their way around in the app if they need it was that because it also sounds like a hugely expensive process. Um, was it expensive? Did it create financial challenges for the bank, especially in the early days? To uh, in the early days, yeah, we we needed to be very careful to 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 balance it. But uh, but that's an important bit. Uh, unlike lots of startups and fintech startups, uh, Edward and myself and then the team, uh, we we were never. Uh, startups in a traditional sense of the world. We were we were never about uh, doing a, a great pitch 
uh, raising money and uh, never actually building a business, just hopping from one conference to another. Um, we are not conference hoppers. We um, we are we are craftsmen. We we enjoy uh, creating a brilliant product, building a profitable operation, and uh, that's what we did with our previous businesses before they were and still are as far as, far as I'm aware. They're all still profitable. And uh, that's what we want Anna to be. It's not a sort of typical fintech shiny, uh, shiny thing for um, for a conference or just for investors. It's it's something that that we are ready to to stick with and to grow. How did um, Tosh? I mean, is Toshka still going today? Yes, yes, it is. And uh, is it? Um, are you still involved or did you sell, um, exit the business? Well, we, uh, when we started developing Anna, uh, our involvement naturally shrunk to, uh, to just giving some advice periodically. And with the recent developments, that is, that is over with now as well. Okay. Um, so jumping forward to Anna then, the... In 2018, you moved to the UK after a, under a global talent visa. Yes, yes, and uh, I, I was actually the last one to move uh, from the team. Uh, well, uh, other other co-founders and Edward moved uh, one year earlier. Yes, and yeah, I came in uh, in 2018, r- right around this time, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So it's near around about the sort of would that be fourth anniversary of you moving to the yes, UK? Yeah. The uh, so you came over in 2018. When did um, developing Anna start? Then it was a bit before then. Yes, yes. We we started exploring actually much earlier. I think in 2016. Yeah. In 2017, we were already building. Yeah. And uh, but uh, at the time, uh, it was pretty hard to find a reliable partner. Uh, who could provide the underlying banking banking solution? We we haven't uh, had this comprehensive understanding of the market, so we were flying over, exploring, talking to clients, potential partners. At the time, we were so wild. We actually thought that we would need to apply for a full banking license. It was before we learned of this brilliant uh, EMI electronic money issuer scheme and payment service providers and all the brilliant infrastructure that was created and is being created in the UK. Because you'd, when building the banks in Russia, you had to build them entirely. Yes, yes, yes. With, uh, so, so as a team, yeah, we have experience running our own processor, just the bank, the treasury, everything. And it's such a relief uh, just not to have to do it here. So what attracted you to the UK? What was you looking to sort of moving into the sort of current accounts or banking sector within the UK um, and launching it? You start obviously started building Anna um, around the time that it was still involved in Toshka and that was, uh, so you was already running a hugely successful bank. What lessons and um, sort of challenges had you overcome with Toshka that you wanted to bring to the UK? Uh, well, several uh, several things, I guess. 
um, well, first the motive, then then the challenges, right? Uh, the motive uh, when we were looking at the market, and, and and the motives are always complex things and of complex nature, and uh, they were personal motives, and uh, they were business motives, and um, they were emotional motives, um, and uh, so so they all joined, and, and that's how Anna came to be. Well, we we pretty much, as a founding team, we pretty much had a sense uh, where Russia is heading, uh, and we didn't like it. And as business people, we we saw that uh, there is there is no future uh, with the political regime, and unfortunately, we're we're witnessing uh, these grim predictions uh, coming to life. So, so that that was kind of part of the motivation that we were. Uh, looking to to cut ties. So when 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 we moved uh, four or five years ago, that that wasn't an accident. That was sort of a choice and uh, a decision. And um, but then when we looked at the market, um, we haven't. Well, we looked at the market. We looked at the figures. But most of all, we spoke to real people, and we we looked at the banking apps. And and we were just amazed at, at the poor experience entrepreneurs were getting, and uh, and it's and it's not only at the time uh, having your balance showing up on the next day, not seeing your card transactions right away, all the basic things that they just need to be in the app, and we're incredibly passionate about um, making sure that our clients don't even feel that there is a bank somewhere. It's their money, it's their funds, and they need to be able to operate them. Uh, as simple as, as you send a picture in a WhatsApp, right? It just, it, it just doesn't need to be more complicated than that. Obviously, there are regulations and money laundering rules and... Uh, the legislation all financial institutions have have to go through, but it needs to be simple. And and the second thing we discovered is that banks would have personal managers or relationship managers, and not a single person we spoke to actually enjoyed the relationship. They just knew that this is a person that would call once a month or once a quarter and try to sell stuff. I, I could, that's pretty much our my personal experience. Yeah, and that's never a relationship. But then when you actually have an issue with a bank, we would say, well, how fast is it normally solved? And people would say, well, they normally respond with on a next business day or in a business day, and then they ask you clarifying questions, and it just keeps going and going. And, uh, and in... In my view, the standard needs to be, for most cases, to be resolved right on the spot. And uh, and that's the thing that we heavily invested uh, back in Tochka and learned. And uh, it was painful learning experience. But um, uh, we created uh, a world's leading um, client and customer support there. Uh, Edward took the team to Zappos. They're famous for their customer approach, for their, how they run their whole, uh, call center, how they manage their company as a whole. And 
and we learned a lot on, on how to build this type of operation. So, so we never even considered outsourcing our contact center or call center or we call it uh, a client experience circle. Uh, That's quite um, impressive that as a company you literally just looked at who you admired in that area and just took your staff there and just said, this is how you know this is how this company are doing it amazingly well we want to replicate that yes and uh yeah and that's also one of the things i forgot to mention uh our previous business and then our never linked operationally we we never took any of the staff from from one place to to another it's just me and edward who uh who were the link uh, between the two, but just mainly sharing the experience, and um, so, so we had to build it from from scratch here. Very different, uh, bit different mentality, but but I think we're doing really great because uh, Tochka Tochka's support was both in NPS Net Promoter Score of like 77 percent, which is insane for this industry. Banks normally have a negative NPS. And um, Anna's uh, in NPS has grown in general as a company since we launched. We started at around 35% and it's 72-75% right now, which is uh, top, top of the class. Yeah. And how do you get that within the organization? So net promoter score for people who aren't familiar with that is literally in simplistic terms, somebody's willingness to recommend or yeah. promote your organization. And that's like internally, externally. So you have a vision and a desire and an aspiration to provide a level of service and have a passion. And you're the founder, so you will naturally have that, or co-founder. The, uh, so how do you get that down throughout an organization um, Particularly, you, you know, you're coming into a new country as well with a different way of, just different behavior, different mentality uh, that you want people, your team to buy into that within a bank. Oh, we, we've had our mistakes uh, and we've made our mistakes. Uh, but uh, what we found is that people deep down inside genuinely want to do something good for other people and nobody enjoys being a bio robot just picking the phone or answering in chat and uh, doing monotonous things and uh, uh, we're, we're still not finished uh, there are a bunch of things to improve there is always a place and the room for improvement uh, but but what we're seeing is that um, uh, hiring right type of people who are, who are mo motivated by actually solving other people's problems and uh, that they don't look at the chats as just another chat. They imagine and seeing a real person on the side of the screen. Um, we have this little introductory speech with uh, all the new employees and, uh, and we say, hey, uh, it's entrepreneurs on the other end of the screen. 
And, uh, and then I always ask a simple question, have you had breakfast today? Well, maybe lunch. Have you eaten today? Have you drinking today? And most people obviously say, yeah, yeah, we had something. And then it's, it's over a video, but, uh, but I would always ask, well, are you clothed today? And they say, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we have something. And um, you're sitting in a chair. Yeah, we're sitting in a chair. You're using a computer. Yeah, we're using a computer. Well, all this was produced and created and delivered and sold and all the logistics. It's all entrepreneurs behind it. Large and small. Everything we consume, everything we, we, we eat, we drink, we buy, it's all entrepreneurs behind it. It's people who took the risk. And uh, it's people who, who try to provide for themselves, for their families, who have responsibility for their employees. And they have better things to do than to be bored with banking and with admin. And we're here to make sure it goes smoothly with them. And normally if they contact us, it's, uh, it's our problem. It means we, we, something we haven't done right. And we're here to correct it. We're here to make things right. Uh, so yeah, uh, a lot of uh, people uh, in our team uh, uh, enjoy giving out, uh, we call it jabs of joy. Uh, it, was, uh, it was during this whole COVID experience when the, uh, the, the whole word jabs was incredibly popular. And, and the idea is that uh, when, when our s support agents, um, uh, our bankers, when they, when they talk to the client, uh, they, have, they have an option of just doing something nice for them, uh, sending flowers or an easier way just to give an instant uh, gift, gift certificate with Uber Eats, for example. Uh, and for example, the client is sad and it doesn't have to be unrelated. Obviously, if, if we were wrong in any way, we'll try to correct it. But if client has a, some celebratory occasion or whatever, give out joy. If, well, if something's not right, well, give out joy. If something goes as it should be, but the person is nice and, you know, you had this human connection during the chat, give out a jab of joy. And, uh, and a lot of uh, support centers and call centers, they have, you know, KPIs on this and that. Uh, one of the key, key KPIs uh, I'm following is uh, how many jabs of joy uh, were, were given out. I love that. I, I really love that. And what I'm picking up from it is you're, you're humanizing the person behind the other end of the screen as well from both sides exactly the the what you've just said about entrepreneurs the the, the people the found business founders from everything of what's created and all too often a call sense you mentioned kpis there is to churn through get the next call out get the next call out and it's like and it becomes a rush to try and get that person off that call as opposed to actually humanizing it is um I, I like the message there it's and interesting how you have the jabs of joy as a kpi yeah and and it's and it's a bit of a company's uh, schizophrenia uh or, or or with an airplane with two wings with one wing we're trying to be as automated as possible 
was a great experience where you do not have to contact support. I, I honestly believe every time somebody had chosen to contact us, we have failed. Because it just should work. But life is life. We're not perfect. We're just getting there. We'll be there tomorrow. But, uh, but at the meantime, when this does happen, we want to be as human as, as we possibly can. We, we want to see human uh, on the other side of the screen. But, uh, but we want um, uh, NS employees also to be, to be human, to, to actually enjoy, enjoy what they're doing, because, well, why else would you want to work anyway? Now, Anna has had some challenges, and one of the big challenges that you mentioned earlier that what you found when you came over to the UK was the infrastructure um, you didn't have to create from scratch in some aspects. And one of the big challenges I'm aware of is related to Wirecard. Um, and sort of one of the, you know, just some... Can you sort of talk us through what that actually means? So anybody sort of watching this, what what is Wirecard to Anna? And then why it... Um, uh, created some uh, a, such a challenge for you, and how you handled it and sort of communicated with your customers. Yeah, well, w- when we first started on the market, uh, there were several providers with their pros and cons each, um, and uh, Wirecard uh, they were really good with selling their proposition. They said, "Okay, we will hook you up quickly. It will all work uh, seamlessly." And uh, yeah, and so so we signed up. Well, later down the road, we we have learned. That Sorry, when you say signed up, yeah, yeah, this is the um, uh, the technology that plugs your banking solution into the banking world for yes, other banks. Yeah, yeah, yes, so so it's pretty much at the time it provided uh, it provided uh, a license, an email license, electronic money issuing license. Uh, which is not a banking license. It's different regulatory regime where uh, where bank uh, pretty much bank takes clients' money and gives them out as loans, and and then there is risk management and this and that and capital requirements with e- electronic money institutions. It's simpler. The the regime is different. Instead of um, the regulator observing how the money is invested. With electronic money institutions, the regulator just makes sure that the money is not spent in other places. It pretty much the client's money always stays client's money. I'd love to come back on that in a bit to talk through um, the differences between digital banks and um, incumbent or licensed banks because I think that'd be a really interesting subject for people to understand yeah yeah well we we can stop on that here because it's a whole um, you can be digital and the bank and you can be digital and uh, electronic money institution and then you can be uh, again a bank a fully licensed bank that is digital and you can be a fully licensed bank that has your regular branches and offices and uh, processes and stuff like that so so whether how digital an institution is 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 just one thing and then 
the whole other thing is how they fundamentally manage clients' money. The, the bank gives out loans and therefore they can pay interest. Electronic money institution cannot give out loans. Uh, can therefore they cannot pay interest on their accounts, but but they are under under the obligation to safeguard. Actually, all your clients' money is ring fenced. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. That's that's the term that they use, ring fenced, and that money sits uh, sits in a regulated bank. So so electronic money institutions have their own bank uh, uh, safeguarding, they call them safeguarding accounts that, that sit with a regulated bank. It, it gets a bit more complicated than that on a practical level, but uh, for most people... For anybody who's curious, yes, uh, what's yes. the difference between a high street, high street bank and a digital current account provider... The when because there's, there's a little there's I see marketing out there we're a bank we're not a bank kind of scenario, um, the simplistic terms if I repeat it back um, is that with a bank you you know somebody I can go and put my money into the bank it, what I've got that bank can then take that money subject to various quotas and things like that can then lend my money to somebody else as if it was their own yeah charge interest to that person and then give me a little cut of that interest back yeah and well and most of uh, most of the interest goes to cover the risk uh, and then obviously some loans are not incredibly successful some are and uh, and and then that also means that uh, uh, banks um, uh, th- their money is is always in loans. They they sort of balance it. Uh, whether with electronic money institution, the money is always uh, available. Yeah, yeah, it's not invested. It just sits in cash. Uh, so some would argue then that the digital current account providers, um, and there's you know, there's a few of them. Anna is one of them, and there's others that your money's safer there. Well, it's uh, it's different, but uh, fundamentally it is because it's it's not out there in the economy. It just it just sits there being reinforced. But then again, it sits with the bank, so so it's it, it's it's all it's all very related. So, whilst I've got you here, are you running your own or have a keen interest in small business? Then UKBF is here for you. Visit ukbf.co.uk and become part of our vibrant community to meet other like-minded business owners and tap into a wealth of expertise and experience to help your business thrive. Now, back to the story. That's a, I think that's a really interesting topic for people to understand when they're choosing and wanting, like, who am I going to do my banking with, whether it's personal or business. The, so going, going back to Wirecard then, so Wirecard were... Um, the provider for that infrastructure, the technical provider and uh, and the license, yeah, yeah, and, and the license provider for us, and um, and at the time we were incredibly excited about uh, um, how our relationship went, uh, but then but then we learned several hard lessons. Uh, one is. Um, uh, the way that that came as a surprise to me, as a personal surprise, the way contracts uh, um, are done in the UK, you sign up for several years with retainers, uh, without the capacity to uh, 
uh, break uh, out of the contract, uh, even when you realize that the other party is not living uh, up to the up to the contract standards. Uh, for example, um, we were told that there would be faster payments, and uh, and well, we read the white paper, and the white paper said. Uh, that faster payments are actually fast payments. They go within you know, seconds. Well, with Wirecard, it took uh, four hours for a faster payment to go through and uh, up, to, up to a day or two sometimes. And, um, and it's, it's just one of the examples of the surprises that we discovered uh, after, after we signed up. And... Um, and so, uh, but uh, we we worked with Wirecard, but then, uh, but then uh, rumors started coming uh, around that there in the sort of mother company, in German company, that there there might be some difficulties with finances because there they were regulated as a bank, and I th- I think as a bank and sort of an EMI, but then they had operations all over the place, and. Uh, yeah, and especially Edward was insistent that we start looking for alternative providers. So, so we started looking for alternative providers and uh, taking our time with that because you know there were um, other priorities. Well, uh, other priorities, but also it didn't seem that urgent. But at the same time, uh, we um, we were told, and that was partially true that. Uh, uh, Wirecard UK is very different from uh, Wirecard Germany. It was a separate company owned but not operated uh, by the German headquarters. And um, and and we've started. Uh, we discovered Rails Bank with um, who, who is Anna's provider right now, and we've started the tests and the sort of you know this all this preliminary work, getting to know each other, and uh, and we were incredibly afraid after our first experience with signing up a contract, uh, uh, and then not getting what we promised. So we pretty much checked all the promises, faster payments. How many seconds does it take for them to go? Oh, actually, two seconds. Good, and uh, and then um, and then there there was this week when the amount of news about uh, Wirecard um, head, headquarters in Germany there was some leaks, I think, in Financial Times or somewhere, and. Uh, and our understanding was that uh, the regulator would somehow take take care of the of the problem, and and we had this all company meeting on Friday morning. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it was Friday morning. Uh, the, the demo where everybody shared the news, uh, and uh, while Edward was speaking about our goals for the next quarter. A message came that uh, the regulator just uh, sh- shut down. Uh, Wirecard. That's a bit of a hit. Yes, yes, that's that's a bit of a hit. And um... so this is the this is the the infrastructure connecting to the bank and the organisation that's holding ring fenced your client's money just yeah. was shut down by the regulator. Yes, yes, and uh, and that effectively meant that. Uh, within minutes, uh, 
uh, when our all the cards uh, stopped working and the payments wouldn't uh, go in and out and and that that lasted um well it was obviously friday and then um and and then uh Wirecard had had a lot of clients like us that that wall hit and um and and the public outcry was great and um and all these payment associations were outraged because how how unexpectedly uh, all of that happened and uh, and we were speaking with Wirecard a day before and they were saying yes yes regulators do have their questions we're trying to answer them but we don't expect anything bad to happen it's going to be all right um and so, so it was a shock but uh, as much uh, as it was a shock for us it was a shock for for the clients and uh, yeah and we were watching um we were watching other players and they were not um they were not communicating well they were just referring to to the regulator to the fca and uh and then we we spoke to our shareholders at the time and and we said well if let, let's just uh, let's consider the worst case scenario because well the good case scenario it will all start working again tomorrow right uh, but the worst case scenario Wirecard had broken the ring fence and lost somehow um and um and it will take time to recover funds we, we were pretty sure that the funds are there but uh but we haven't seen the books uh we have seen our account uh, opened in our name and we were sure that the funds were there but um but then we we pretty much uh had had a um, online broadcast with our clients where we where we just opened answered all the questions uh, told everything we know told what we are going to do and what we are going to do was that we we were willing to uh provide liquidity from Amazon funds uh time to um just just to cover the payments to make sure businesses wouldn't suffer and we spent the whole weekend uh working with solicitors and the legal team on on how to actually uh manage that and for several clients in dire circumstances we were able to um, to pretty much give give our own funds to them from from another account so they they could uh well some people will like pay themselves really, yeah yeah pay themselves in a really distressed situation but luckily uh luckily when the week started uh the, the regulator had resumed the operations and uh so 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 we resumed obviously we moved to Trails Bank as, as fast as we could and then later we learned that Trails Bank had actually bought uh wirecard's business yeah. and uh, and did the transfer but we we were the first ones to to jump ship yeah. and uh so it's much more stable now and everything works as as expected but but it was quite a hit uh though we uh we tried our best to 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 make sure that um clients would would not get a a heavy hit though they obviously some did mm, yeah some some were upset and uh, and left but uh, but then there were many clients that said actually guys we know we were really upset the language they used were pissed off at the time 
but then we saw how how you behaved as a company you were there so, to support you communicated on openly and honestly and you did everything to to move us over to a safe heaven and uh, lots of these clients are with Anna to to this day because yeah. I guess you you can't make true friends just um, in the nice shiny, shiny days it's it's often referred to the the issue people have with suppliers of businesses isn't really um the problems that go wrong it's how you face and handle them and make things right in that situation is where you um sort of demonstrate what kind of company you are so did any of your competitors do something similar like you know you, you mentioned you literally did a video call people could put their questions to you live on the on the call and you answered them that's very much putting yourself out there and i can only imagine they were you just said pissed off i imagine people pissed off that they've lost their earnings their any money they've got in their business bank out all the people and they haven't had the certainty of the future yeah. no so facing that head on must have been a very difficult thing to do but emotionally and just even just trying to maintain composure yes but um but but, but uh we believe it was the right thing to do no i'd i'd agree with that the um so i mean that's i i i'd say that must be a difficult one to top um as a challenge to face uh you men- mentioned earlier about you know the reasons why sort of things going on within russia and why you come to the uk and sort of way things are happening um you've distanced uh, yourself as an organization you distance yourself from ties from russia but the as sanctions came in the, you hit another challenge there with one of the sort of companies that invested into anna um like many companies you have investors coming in um particularly in the digital or fintech sector mm-hmm. um what happened there and how did you overcome that uh-huh. well yeah um uh, well, uh, and it was never uh, a russian company we we, we, we happen to be born there though we have different citizenships as well uh and then um lot lot lots of employees are f- from russia some are from ukraine uh so it was it was an international company f- from the start a uh, lot a lot from the uk um and and the based here and and we were moving moving people people over but uh yes we 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 had investors that uh got into sanctions and um uh, um it was it was another uh, hit uh, for us because mm, we uh well s- some of the of the people that got on the uh, sanction list they you know they were born in ukraine they had parents living there so it was it was just uh, i guess just uh, a, a total mess uh we 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 had some suspicions that it might happen but uh but it came quite unexpected and quite rough and uh, 
but um, but we did several things to also to to secure and save the company. We uh, we made sure that um, all affiliated directors are not on uh, NS board. We also another another time this word we ring fenced ourselves from from any influence. We changed the articles of the company. Uh, and uh, since since the war started, uh, the company's only founders uh, run um, investors never had operational influence, but they they haven't had a vote uh, either. And then uh, and then we had these quite uh, quite complex negotiations, um, and and then also it took some time for reality to to sink in. Because uh, I th- I think some people expected that uh, this whole conflict would be over in a couple of days and life will get back to normal. Um, I, th- I think it it now makes more sense to believe that it would not. And uh, so we managed to buy out the company and unnaise uh, again. Uh, as it was back in 2018 or 17 is again 100% uh, owned by by the founders uh, by 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 the founding team and uh, obviously our employees now who have shares through the, through the option pro- program and yeah that's that's where we are so it's uh, it turned out to uh, to be a challenging time but again uh, again a, a a positive time uh, in the end and then and then I just uh, spoke to one of our Ukrainian colleagues that uh, uh, we well we didn't know it was when exactly something like that would come but uh, we managed to relocate uh, him to UK he, he he's quite settled in Cardiff yeah. now and uh, yeah and it's a joy yeah it's a joy to uh, to to be seen that and then and then obviously as as directors and co-founders we we took a very strong stand in supporting uh, supporting Ukraine and uh, yeah doing doing all 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 we can to support the course and it's funny that you asked because uh, just uh, just today uh, there came a review on Trustpilot. Where where clients said, well, they they do their job brilliantly. There are still some improvements, and uh, and, and and he had written, uh, I have learned about the founders that they are of Russian origin, and I thought about leaving the company because of that. But then I I read what what they're saying, I saw what they're doing, and I decided to stay. And. Uh, it was great to to read it that you know there are intelligent people out there who who do their research and uh, at a, and are not afraid of no all I, these things. I I can imagine um, the some people can judge very quickly without like understanding a situation in in so many different ways, but particularly this is happening now so you're you I, I, I can only imagine experiencing this now but it's it over years and things it's impacting so many different people from so many different uh backgrounds over the years um you you can't 
tire everybody with the same brush to use an analogy. Yeah. So it's fantastic to hear what you're doing. We've got um, somebody who's over as a refugee from Ukraine at the moment who's working for us who just, just by pure chance, we were advertising a post, applied and was the best person for the job. Mm -hmm. um, works fantastically. The, I'd like, um, sort of moving forward from there, um, pick your brains about the banking industry. Um, for example, there's a, um, there's a lot of conversation and people always bound around this term, open banking. Now, this is something that I find um, exciting, the opportunity with open banking. But um, what does it mean? What is open banking to you? And where do you see that, um, what it enables going forward for the future? Banking is a very weird industry uh, in the sense that um, it is a market, it is an open market, but it is a regulated market. And... Uh, things normally don't happen unless regulators are comfortable with that and and uh, and in most cases it's uh, just just for the good of the public because some things in financial technology can be just plain devastating and we've we've seen it in history how uh, people can lose all of their money because some some businesses are not being watched over and um, and then with uh, with with banking, um, there were several great developments, but um, but with unexpected outcome. Well, first the account switching scheme. People were so excited about that; it would be so easy to switch an account. Well, in the end of the day, almost nobody did. We've um, I've seen that with some of our other clients who work within the banking sector. It's always, um, particularly the incumbent banks, have lots of KPIs of how many people can they can get to switch accounts. We've seen the same. Why bother? What, what's what's the why would you swap bank accounts um, if it's just if the bank is just I put me money there, I take me money yeah. out, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, and and that's another important thing. Uh, banking is a commodity, and an example that uh, uh, we kind of discovered several years ago is like how many people enjoy going to the hospital. Nobody. How many people enjoy calling to NHS? Nobody. Uh, why do people still do it? Well, they need health. They have a problem. They need to get better, and and. It's, it's not a function that, uh, well, it's not an institution that people are looking for. It's a function that they want. And it's the same with the bank. It's, uh, it's, it's sort of sad to be, um, I, I, I spent almost quarter of a century uh, in the banking industry. And it's a sobering realization to know that actually nobody cares. Uh, you're just a commodity. People, well, people care about their money. Well, they do. They're, they're very passionate about it. But they don't care about the institution. They just, they just want the thing to be there. They want it to, to move. They want it to be transparent. Or all of these very functional desires. But they normally don't care about you as an institution. That's why Anna does banking. But we understand that um, business banking is not something to die for. 
it's it's actually making life better and easier for entrepreneurs and saving their day and saving their time now that's important and uh, making sure they have clarity and focus that's that's value Mo moving money is is not and uh, and that's where op open banking technology comes into play uh, what what ended up happening though is people instead of switching banks they just have bunch of different banks they just all log in through one app yes and and then and then it is convenient instead of oh how much money have we gotten here and there it is very convenient to log on through one app to see to sell my accounts in one place uh, we, we use open banking for example in our admin tools because some people uh, we have lots of clients uh, with admin who who don't have a banking account within a business banking account within they just use use admin separately but the information still sits with their bank so so they link they link Anna with uh, with an open banking solution or they link the, this account with another account and um, uh, I don't think the API is uh, still where it needs to be. It it might be much better. It might be much more transparent. But but we've done some really beautiful things with it already, uh, and and have really enriched uh, enriched the client's experience. But what it does to the industry, it pretty much mm, brings forward um, the value-added services, and the banking kind of goes under the hood. That's where. I see it myself is the exactly the same view. Nobody really cares about uh, or are vested into whoever they use for their banking. It's um, you don't have the same emotion attached to a bank generally than what you would except to. Anna, except Anna, of course. Uh, but if you compare it to the emotion people feel towards a car, for example, it's it's very different. But open banking, where you literally you you're opening up the doors to all these other opportunities i'm seeing um opportunities for systems to keep on top of your borrowing your credit cards your finances and intelligently calculating um whether you can pay off a credit card transfer a card settle a loan early your mortgage things so using ai tools effectively or you know um intelligent automation to preempt and or make financial decisions for you or recommendations for you because it understands your entire financial situation so can you afford to put a little bit extra off your mortgage one month um, because it knows and able to calculate when all your bills are coming in so can you afford a bit extra do you want to cut back on your takeaways this month and put an extra £100 off your mortgage? It will save you this much in your interest payments over the next 20 years. These, this sort of this in, insightful things, yes. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the sort of thing where I see somebody wanting to grab hold of, I'll, I'll paint this idea very quickly, <laughs> that sort of um, um, intelligence into that kind of platform. The... Yeah, I, it's, it excites me to see that happening. The, you touched on it earlier, um, the difference between the different types of licensing for banking. If you was to summarize um, a pro and a con for each for somebody trying to work out how they would 
you know, where you're going to put your bank in, what would they be? I know you're very biased. We'll read that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, a simple answer would be go for an, uh, but uh, a more complicated one uh, would be that uh, with the banking, uh, there is a, a protection scheme, uh, uh, but, but it has a cap on it. Uh, but, uh, but then with an EMI institution, well, just one step backwards. Uh, normally what people don't realize that uh, if they're a sole trader and they have an account, the same bank, uh, all of the amount would be summed up. Between their personal and yes, their sole yes. trader account because yes. they are the same entity. Yes, yeah. yes. And uh, uh, so it might end up that the protection scheme is, is not enough. Uh, with with an AMI institution, it's it's a different nature of business because uh, the money is ring fenced. It cannot be given out to loans. Uh, I'm personally very conservative. Uh, I don't invest much. I just prefer my money just just to sit somewhere. So f for me, uh, an AMI model is uh, is clearer. And where do you? Um... Anna's still on a journey, um, an exciting journey. So it's entirely un under yourself, your colleagues as the founders now, and obviously you've got your share options with your staff. It's it's um, perhaps like a big family. The Where do you see the next few years going? Anna has several very exciting developments uh, underway. Uh, we hope to to have some brilliant releases in Q4 and uh, Q1 of the next year. Uh, that would uh, that would really streamline the, that mean experience, and uh, uh, we enjoy the steady growth. Uh, we've we've grown. Uh, uh, we're growing around three to four times every year, and uh, but I believe with. We're just picking up speed right now, yeah. and um, uh, we we expect to 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 within within around two years we we expect to to have several things. Well, we uh, first of all we would uh, be a self self sustained business uh, with no further needs for investments. Uh, secondly, and most importantly for our clients. We would be the most loved uh, banking and admin service out there. Uh, I'm not saying the cheapest one. I'm not saying the one that has the most functions. I'm saying the most loved and the most used and the most useful. One of Anna's values is to be useful. And and that's what we want Anna to be, just, just useful. And... Um, yeah, and uh, and we and we expect to be one of the leaders in the uh, SME field in in seven businesses. And uh, but in the end of the day, the great joy for for me personally uh, would be meeting more and more people out, out there in the vans, um, doing something that you know have uh, they they pay for something at the cafe and. And you hear meow, and and you know they're using uh, Anna card. Um, expand on that for a moment, because I don't think anybody watching this will grasp what you mean by meow. Uh, as in, what happens? What is this? 
Well, every time you tap and then a card, it meows. Yeah, the actual cat, because that's your branding is the cat. Yeah. So when you use an Anna Money payment card, it makes a meow noise. It sure does. That's because uh, your branding is very out there, very different from any other uh, like bank uh, organization we've seen. Um, but yeah, so you're, you're, what motivates you What you're, is to be out there doing your normal shop and you just hear a meow in the background. At the yes, yes. And, and they know, and at the time I know somebody's with us, somebody's using us, we, uh, where Zanna is useful to this particular person behind this particular business and we're making their lives better and they can spend more time with their family or just doing sports or whatever instead of reconciling the invoices and waiting the response from their bank. You mentioned, I'd like to follow up on that a bit. So that, that's, your, that's your joy that you, within Anna, that, with what you're doing within, within your job, effectively. Mm -hmm. um, what's your personal ambition for you? Uh, so, for, so for you, Percy Boris, what's the, um, what drives you? I don't think I have, uh, it's a weird thing to say, but I don't think I have professional uh, ambitions anymore. Uh, I, I, I used to have uh, a lot of them, you know, to be the best here, the best there. I just, I just yeah, I just uh, want to be useful. Uh, I, want, uh, I want this business to grow. And, um, and when the timing is right, uh, I want to go sailing and circumnavigating this wonderful earth. And I hope people will not blow it up before that. Yeah, we do. We all do. <laughs> The so when um, when your time comes, so when we when we age and the, the world hasn't blown up, um, what would you want to be remembered for? My funny jokes. <laughs> Go on, tell us one. <laughs> well, that's that's the thing about funny jokes; they never come on the spot. The um, the that that's that's for your humour. So I help you out there. Your humour. Right. Yeah. The um, no, we'll go. We'll go for. We'll go for humor. The it's interesting. Of um, the I've seen Anna over the years. The I've seen Anna develop. I remember some of the events over recent years that you've just talked about where things have happened. Anna's an interesting company to observe, and it's great to be chatting to yourself as one of the co-founders today. Um, Interesting, very diverse story. If anybody was to pick a point in your early career and just say, "This guy's going to be running a bank," the um, I don't, I don't think many people would draw the line there. And it just shows how interesting people's um, career developments and lives can be. I'd love to thank you very much for chatting today. Really fascinating story. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Remember to like, share, and subscribe to help spread the stories of small businesses across the UK. Have you got a story to share? Reach out to us on ukbf.co.uk and you never know, you could be the next UKBF story.